Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation. I'm your host, Andrew Davidson. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to highlight that it was recorded just before the terrible events that have taken place in Ukraine, and as such, reflect an understanding of the conflict at that time. The instability surrounding these events will most certainly impact inflation and drive prices even higher. But, unfortunately, we have to wait and see as it evolves. Our hearts go out to those impacted by the ongoing crisis. Now, on to our episode about inflation. And today, we're going to be discussing a topic that seems to be in the headlines daily, and that is inflation. Over the last two years, COVID-19 has been the dominant influence on consumer behavior. But in 2022, the emphasis will increasingly be on the cost of living. How will it shape consumer behavior in the coming months? And what does it mean for brands? Joining me to discuss the topic, I'm delighted to welcome back to the pod, Mintel's Toby Clark, Director of Research for EMEA. Toby, welcome back. Hi there. Where are you today? Uh, I'm at home up in Cambridge, so not quite London, not far out there. Very nice. Well, later on, we'll be catching up with Mintel's analysts from around the globe to get their take on how inflation is impacting various categories, including retail, beauty and personal care, travel, food and drink, and of course, we'll be discussing financial services. So, Toby, my teenage daughter came home the other day and she'd purchased a single rose for a friend of hers. And I was shocked when she told me that it cost her $10, so just over £7 or about €9. So, supply chain issues driving up the cost of flowers. I think I read somewhere that uh, roses were up 50% uh, in in the US. So, perhaps we could just start by setting the stage. What's currently happening with inflation? I'm going to say your teenage daughter is obviously a lot classier than my teenage daughter. (laughs) But anyway, so when it comes to inflation, I mean, what we've got is is a bit of a perfect storm. There's a whole load of different things intersecting here. And obviously, Mintel aren't, we're not economists, but we've got to stay on top of this kind of stuff to understand how it affects consumers. But behind the scenes, you've got rising energy costs and what's going on in the Ukraine isn't going to help that at all. Uh, We've got supply chain problems, and a lot of that is still a hangover from from COVID. So you had factories shutting, and then when you have those problems, it takes a long way for it that a long time for that to work its way through the system. So that's then affecting companies' costs, and at the same time, it's you know it's a good news story really because consumer demand is bouncing back after COVID. People are out there spending more. Demand is up, but then that also tends to feed through into prices because obviously you've got more people chasing a certain number of goods, which then, as you know, classic economic theory will tell you, pushes up prices. But yeah, so and you're in well, you're in Cambridge, so you're in the UK. I'm in uh, New York. This podcast is listened to in 64 countries around the world. Of course, the pandemic is by definition global. Now, how global is the issue of inflation? It's interesting. I mean, so this is where Mintel's global footprint kind of works well for us. But I concentrate on Europe. Here, it's it's a problem across almost every country we look at. So the UK, latest data, 5.5%. Germany, 4.9%. Poland, even worse, like 9.4%. So you know, inflation is up across pretty much the whole region. The interesting thing is talking to colleagues over in APAC because the situation over there, I mean, for a start, it's, it's a massively diverse region. So it's, you know, it's obviously going to be different. Uh, Australia, they're, they're worried about rising prices. That's gone up pretty sharply, but that's only up to 3.5%. But then you look at a couple of the real economic powerhouses over there. So China, 0.9%. 
and when we talk to the analysts over there, it's just not it's just not really seen as an issue. They're seeing the supply chain problems, but inflation just isn't a consumer problem. Japan, I was reading about the other day. I mean, that's that's a really interesting situation. So that's 0.8%, which is pretty much nothing by by European terms. But over there, they've had you know 20, 30 years of no inflation, and they've been desperate trying to get prices moving again. So it's it's almost like a double edged sword for them. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. To see. So it's definitely a mixed bag. Of course, like here across the Americas, of course, you've got the United States. We hit 7.5% inflation uh, recently, Canada, 4.8%. And then, you know, you look at a country like Brazil, where you're already at double digits, you've got 10.4% uh, inflation in Brazil. So you've got this different uh, stages of inflation, but it seems that we have these sort of common themes um, apart from a couple of outliers, like you mentioned, like China, but you've got these common themes like energy prices, consumer demand, supply chain issues that are these common themes across all of these countries, even though they're all at different stages of inflation. So let, oh, let's talk about the consumer. Um, you wrote a blog recently uh, with the title Cost of Living Crisis. Um, so what does inflation ultimately mean for the consumer? I think, I, I mean, it was really interesting because we were discussing it. We have this sort of panel where we have analysts from across the world talking about experiences. And I know that people in the Americas were less keen on that cost of living crisis phrase because they, they didn't feel it was necessarily a crisis point yet. The UK experience is, I think there's a different perspective because it's, it's definitely not a crisis point yet. It's an uncomfortable point and people are thinking about it a lot. I, why I think it's it's so high up the agenda here is because we know there's stuff to come. So in the UK, we've got a tax rise coming up in, in April. So that's going to affect consumer incomes. We've also got a there's an energy price cap, which means that uh, fuel suppliers are only allowed to char- charge a certain amount for, for heating and gas to consumers. That's going to be lifted in April, and that's going to make a massive difference to the amount of people, the the bills that people have to pay. Mm. So I think we've got this concern about prices now, and that's already squeezing some people. And our consumer data shows that across Europe, people are noticing those price rises across pretty much every category. Uh, But in the UK particularly, there's one eye on what's going to happen in April, and that is going to take that's going to take a big chunk out of a lot of people's discretionary spending. And then obviously that feeds through into, into the brands that, that cater for that spending. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thinking about that sort of difference in tone. I mean, clearly cost of living crisis is, is a reality for many people in the US. Uh, for others who are sort of okay financially, it's sort of more of an irritating concern right now. But certainly it's becoming more and more of... Uh, something that consumers are noticing, hearing about, reading about, seeing in brands, mentioning it in their advertising, you know, so it's becoming so much more, so it's sort of seemingly more and more important as each sort of day and week goes by. One thing, one thing that I'm talking to clients about a lot, and this is where, you know, the fact that we go back a while at Mintel, the parallels between this and the global, you know, the, the global financial crisis and as we emerged from that, the economy started picking up speed. Mm. So we had global economic growth. But in the UK, at least, that was when actually was the real, that the low point for consumers was when the economy started recovering because that economic growth wasn't translating into higher wages. Mm. And you got this slow sort of squeeze where prices were rising, wages weren't quite keeping pace. And it's not, it's, it's almost like a slow motion crisis. 
because it's not dramatic. It doesn't tip you over the edge between one week and the next. It's not like losing a job. But what it means is that every month you're just that little bit worse off. And I think there's there's a lot you can learn from how consumers reacted and dealt with that last time and apply that to the situation now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, lessons from the past. I think, um, I guess, the parallel between inflation and a recession is that both of these tend to reduce purchasing power and therefore they both there are sort of similar sort of responses and similar outcomes in terms of how to how how brands can react to that i think the other really important thing is to look at different consumer groups and we're picking this up really strongly that over lockdown there were certain consumer groups that actually built up a lot of savings you know they weren't going on holiday they cut commuting costs they weren't going out to the pub or for meals or whatever and a lot of that found their way into savings accounts. Uh, they are actually feeling really financially positive, but they tend to be the higher earners anyway. And for higher earners, inflation is generally less of a problem because you've just got more flex in your budget. You can, you know, if the price of beans goes up 10p, then that's that's kind of an irritation, but it's not it's not going to tip you into crisis. I it's among lower owners. So mm. they didn't see that that lockdown boost. They didn't build up those savings over lockdown. They were much more exposed. You know, if you're working in retail or hospitality, then actually it was it was kind of a disaster for you, the, the lockdown period. So they're already on the edge. And if you're on a lower income, then that 10p on a tin of beans or, or whatever else, that actually starts eating into, you know, real essential spending. So not only uh, is inflation an issue for consumers, but the response by central banks to control inflation compounds consumer misery because the primary tool to fight inflation, of course, is for those central banks to raise rates. We're already seeing double-digit interest rates in Brazil. Uh, the Bank of England increased rates twice already. The US Federal Reserve has indicated that it will start to raise rates. Uh, what does this mean for the consumer when it comes to financial services? The big, the big concern for consumers, obviously, is what it means for, for borrowing rates. Uh, the one positive here, though, is that to a degree that's, that's decoupled. It's a delayed effect. So in the UK, at least, a lot of people with mortgages have got fixed term rates, so fixed rate deals. So that won't feed through for a while. It gives them the chance to, to adjust. Mm. And even on, you know, even on consumer credit, when you've got a credit card that's charging, you know, 17, 18%, 18% APR, then that 0.25, 0.5 base rate effects sort of gets buried in, in the overall bill. So it's, it's another example of this, you know, this slow motion effect that it will start feeding through and it makes life more uncomfortable for people, but it's not, it's not quite crisis yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, so here in the US, analysts are predicting between three and seven rate hikes this year. Which, and you know, the question is whether, you know, rate, the increase in the interest rates will lead to a soft landing or whether it's going to push us more into uh, a recession. I mean, one of the things I've heard uh, uh, economists talk about is that any time the US Federal Reserve has tried to tame inflation in the past by raising interest rates, it's pushed the economy into a recession. So there are some, you know, people who are sort of have a fairly bleak outlook, not necessarily for this year, but for, for perhaps for 2023. But of course, we're hoping for that soft landing. But from the consumer 
perspective. Yeah, like, you know, cost of credit is on the rise. And I, I understand, I agree with you, you know, you've obviously got that sort of slow uh, effect of it starting to rise. But what you do have is you have a sort of shift from a, a near zero rate environment to a rising rate environment. And therefore, it sort of changes the dynamic and that consumers are starting to anticipate uh, rising rates. But, you know, here in the US, they're still spending uh, but they're increasingly looking to finance products through credit. So that means it's turning into a less favorable environment for consumers. Uh, then, you know, on the, so you've got, so what's interesting, you've got sort of these indicators, inflation is up, interest rates up, uh, spending is up, you know, credit is up here in the US. So these are warning signals, you know, so I think, um, you know, there is that sense that, you know, perhaps consumers could get into trouble as, you know, if, if some of these things continue. But then, of course, on the other hand, you've got the other side of that, which is in, on the investment side. And of course, inflation also devalues the dollar. Um, there's a renowned investor in the US, Ray Dalio, and he says cash is trash. Um, and he's basically advising uh, investors to sort of put their money anywhere but cash, which means whether it's gold, cryptocurrency, you know, whatever it might be. And you're already starting to see that sort of feed into some of the advertising. There's a, a financial services company in the in the US called Robinhood, and they're already talking about, well, you know, well, what's one way to navigate the infect, effects of inflation? Investing. And they're encouraging you to invest in their app. Um, so, yeah, interesting to see some of the implications on uh, financial services from a consumer perspective. I think this is where the UK and the US perspective is, is so different because UK consumers tend to be much, much more disengaged from the investment market, I think, than, than you see in the US. Uh, for them, so in the UK, if you've had money in a savings account, you've been losing money month after month for, for however, I mean, for yes. years now. This, this isn't a new thing. Uh, I guess the one upside of rising interest rates is maybe it closes that gap slightly but even so I, I can't see saving rates matching the rate of inflation anytime soon so you, you are in that situation where having money in savings is pretty much a guarantee that you're losing money right but i always it's one of the things that i'll always talk about with financial services firms i think if you take a pure rational economic point of view of savings then putting money in the savings account is is stupid because you're guaranteed to lose money i think that for most consumers, for mainstream consumers, that sense of security and that sense of well-being is way, way more important than, you know, 0.25, 0.5 base points on your savings rate. And I think for a lot of people, yeah, in theory, they'd be better off by moving into investments. And in financial terms, they probably would be. But if you've got a thousand, two thousand pounds in savings, which a lot of people, you know, that's, that's all they've got. Then actually it's, it's a rounding error, the difference in interest rates and that peace of mind becomes way more important. Yeah. That's a really good point. The insurance that you have that, that, the, you know, obviously you don't get to lose your money if there's a run on the banks or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's interesting though that, you know, you've already got this trend, you know, interest in things like cryptocurrency, certainly from younger consumers. And this perhaps just gives another, another angle, another reason to, to start dabbling in that air, particular area. Um, all right. So inflation impacts countries differently. 
uh, impacts consumers in different ways. There are nuances behind that. There are obviously also variations in, in terms of how it plays out in different categories, some more surprising than others. Earlier, I spoke to uh, Diana Smith, who reports on retail and e-commerce for Mintel. I also spoke to Rashida Kanom, who uh, covers beauty and personal care, to get their take on how inflation is impacting their respective categories. Here's Diana. From a retail perspective, I would argue that the industry hasn't yet experienced the impact of consumer shopping shifts in light of supply chain issues and rising costs. There's a bit of a lag effect in place. Consumers are aware of it and concerned about it, but haven't necessarily adjusted the way they shop. That's all about to shift, though, in short order as consumers realize the high costs are here to stay for a while and their actions begin to mirror their concerns. It's likely that consumers' willingness to spend on discretionary items will diminish somewhat, which could negatively impact some categories such as apparel, beauty, and electronics. As consumers look to stretch their budgets further, they will likely turn more toward private label brands, shop more at affordable, low-cost retailers, and consider circular shopping options. Retailers are struggling with inflation too, with many having to make the unfortunate decision to pass along higher costs to consumers. And this is where transparent communication can go a long way, especially if coupled with other value-add offerings, such as free shipping, flexible returns, and other promotions. Buy now, pay later options can help consumers better manage their money and allow them to justify spending. On top of that, retailers can offer credits or price adjustments for items that go on sale post-purchase, which could help to build trust. All in all, the retail industry and consumers are very resilient, While inflation and other challenges will likely cause some retraction, retail sales continue to grow in 2021 and are projected to grow in 2022 and beyond. Here's Rashida. Beauty sales have rebounded since the peak of the pandemic, but price rises are inevitable. And so brand loyalty will really be tested at this time. We have to remember that consumers in general have become accustomed to savvy shopping behaviors over the last decade and are prepared to shop around for the best prices. And so during difficult economic times, trading down behaviors are amplified. Perceptions of value have also changed and the private label beauty offerings are much more sophisticated since the last economic recessions. Consumers just have more choice and the introduction of premium private label and mastige brands in the category since the last recession has just given them a wider range of price points in order to be able to trade down across. And so there's real opportunities to reward loyal consumers at this time with flash discounts and savings on shippings in order to help offset rising costs. The other thing to remember is that conscious consumerism is up. Consumers are thinking much more about ethical considerations when buying in beauty and personal care, especially since the pandemic. And while the environment is still top of the agenda, consumers are also paying attention to how companies are treating their employees and suppliers, as well as support of social equality movements. And so it's really important for brands to take consumers on the journey with them. If prices need to go up, communicate that to the consumer and explain why. Desium did a really nice job of this in January when it explained its price rises and talked about paying its employees fairly and gave consumers two weeks notice to stock up on their favorite brands before prices went up. So as consumers increasingly purchase with an ethical mindset in beauty and personal care, transparency can really drive trust in a brand, especially if consumers can see that price rises are not just about maintaining the company's profit margin. What do you think? 
I think, say, the UK and the US, in a lot of ways, are clearly in really similar places. But there seem to be some interesting differences. So, you know, we work with the grocery retail team over here. We've been crunching the retail sales numbers. It seemed like maybe that delayed pressure on pricing that Diana's talking about, maybe that's already coming through in the UK a little bit more strongly than it is in the US in terms of retail prices. Mm. I but maybe there are some other differences here. So one of the things that Nick Carroll, our UK retail analyst, was talking about, the re- latest retail sales numbers over here have actually been pretty good. And actually non-food did, non-food did really well. But again, there's, there's an interesting dynamic at play here. So we ran some research around Black Friday. And there was a good proportion of people who were buying at Black Friday, not for Christmas, but because they were expecting price rises to come through. And so they wanted to lock in 2021 prices as soon as they could. He has a theory that maybe that's behind some of the, the strong non-food sales as well that came through in sort of December, seemed to be coming through in January, where people recognize those price rises on the way. And so they're, they're getting their buying in now before those prices go up. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, what struck me about you know Diana was uh, what Diana was saying is it sort of doesn't, doesn't sound like a crisis. Um, you know, it sounds like um, well, maybe it's not a crisis yet. Uh, to your point, and sort of I guess it highlights the differences but again between different countries having the impacts of inflation at, at different different times, and perhaps it's it's the quiet before the storm. Um, in terms of the beauty. Uh, Industry. I was interested uh, that um, you know Rashida talked about this idea of transparency uh, and transparency in pricing. And I was uh, just the other day. I was I was I was listening. I heard that uh, Chipotle. I know this is not a beauty company, of course, but Chipotle reported its annual results, and they were talking about how well they'd done. And part of the reason that they'd sort of done so well is they'd they'd increase their prices. And of course, they'd had an increase in the cost of the ingredients going into their products, but they'd also increased the price over and above the cost of those ingredients. So it kind of struck me when I'm listening to Rashida talking about, well, let's be transparent in our pricing and why prices are going up, that perhaps that's not something that we could sort of take a blanket approach. You know, obviously, if you have a genuine, authentic reason to uh, increase your prices and a good message for consumers, that's all well and good. But, you know, I think there are many, not to put the cynical hat on here, there are many companies that are also increasing their prices where there is not a direct link to uh, the supply chain. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, the good thing about a podcast is it's audio rather than video. But if it was video, you could see that I'm just obviously not a uh, beauty expert. But <laughs> what Rosh was talking about, I think there's a lot of similarities between that in different categories. So you went to Chipotle. Uh, Mark Ritson, who's a marketing writer over here in the UK, has just published an article. And it, it really, really interesting talking about the best way that marketers can approach pricing pressure. Mm-hmm. And sort of slightly laying into the industry and saying they've forgotten that pricing element of, of marketing and the rigor behind it. But he called out Pret-a-Manger, which is a uh, like a lunchtime food chain over here in the UK. We, we have Pret right here in the US. Of course, yeah. Yeah. But, but it still started in the UK. I'm going to like, yes. fly the flag for, for the UK. <laughs> uh, but they have a coffee subscription where for £20 a month you you get unlimited coffee when coffee whenever you go into Pret. They sent something through. They're having to put the price up to 
25 pounds a month. So, yeah, a significant chunk, but he called that out as basically textbook communication around that. So they were transparent. They said we've got to rise, increase prices because of A, B, and C. Mm. They gave people plenty of notice, so it didn't come as a shock. They didn't try and hide it. They didn't try and dance around. They didn't reduce the size of the coffees. They said, no, we're putting up prices. And just as in Roche's example, they made a big point of saying one of the reasons we're having to do this is we're having to pay our staff more and Mm. we're increasing our wages. And so that's why we have to put prices up. So I do think that there's there's an argument for transparency and honesty and and open communication because people people are savvy. The the last recession, the income squeeze after the financial crisis taught them to keep an eye out for when your chocolate bar goes from 50 grams to 40 grams or your washing powder goes from 450 mils to 400 mils or whatever. Like they, yes. they know what's going on. Yes. And so sometimes it's just better to put your hands up and say, look, prices are rising. This is why we're having to do it. We're getting you notice. I think a lot of brands, especially in retail, have worked really, really hard to keep prices down, especially over COVID, because you know, the last thing that people wanted to do during COVID was being accused of profiteering. So like the grocers over here have, have really invested in price and really, really fought to keep those prices down. But it's you know, it's like the rising tide, like at some point they have to swallow it, they have to accept that prices aren't going down at any point soon. So mm. some of those prices that some of the price rises that are coming through are ones that brands and retailers have been actually sitting on for a while and trying to keep a little pricing pressure. And now it, you just have to sort of deal with reality and say, well, our input costs are up, our wage costs are up. We can't, yeah. we have to protect our margins to a degree. Uh, uh, yes. And I a lot of it's about justifying value. I know, you know, you know, I know certainly when you think about, say, the beauty industry, you know, you've got those nice to have products versus those essential products. And it's sort of trying to convince consumers that your product is more essential than perhaps than a nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, next, I spoke with Marlouz de Vries about the travel category and Kitty Soininen, who covers food and drink for Mintel. Here's Marlouz. Last year, we saw an increase in the average spend on holidays, especially in the domestic holiday market. Staycations were a popular choice during summer 2021, and some areas of the UK witnessed exceptional demand, which pushed up prices. The inflationary pressures which are coming to the fore are leading to higher operating costs, and this comes on top of debts caused by the pandemic. Travel companies in the UK, such as hotels, already warn of price rises in the months to come, while overseas holidays are likely to become more expensive as demand returns. But there is good news for the travel sector. Affluent consumers are far more likely to take holidays, and this group is not only less affected by inflation, but also more likely to have increased savings during the pandemic. And with two years' worth of missed holidays, there is still huge pent-up demand for travel. But to justify price increases, travel companies will need to enhance the quality of the experiences they offer. Wellness and sustainability have become bigger priorities for consumers, so brands that develop and promote experiences around these themes are in a better position to manage price increases. Here's Kitty. Food inflation overall was falling from autumn 2020 through to summer 21. However, from last autumn onwards, prices have been rising again and accelerating rapidly. Food inflation in the UK running at 4.5% in December and 4.6% in January these being levels we've not seen since 2013. And there's further pain ahead for households on this, as many of the leading food conglomerates have been sounding the alarm bells in recent months about the cost rises they're facing across commodities, energy, transport and labour, 
expecting to pass this on to their prices. This is a really challenging situation for brands coming at a time when household finances are under growing pressure from all quarters. But positioning their brand as part of a savvy shopping basket by showing how their products can be part of an affordable meal will definitely win favour. For example, in the UK, 62% of consumers would welcome ideas on how to make favourite meals on a budget. Sainsbury's recent campaign suggesting that shoppers swap some of the beef or chicken in popular dishes for beans or pulses, for example, ticks the box here, offering the feel-good of being a healthy and sustainable choice as well as a budget-friendly one. What did you think? Travel, I think, is a really interesting case. Uh, You mentioned earlier this balance between essential spending and discretionary spending. Travel is, you know, by, you know, essentially travel is discretionary. You don't need to go on holiday. You don't need a weekend away. But in terms of the modern consumer mentality, it's it's as close to an essential discretionary purchase as you can get for a lot of people. People will make a lot of sacrifices for the sake of their holiday. And obviously, after two years of holidays pretty much being wiped out in Europe, there is this really, really strong suppressed demand. Like, there's going to be a real bounce back. Now that things are opening up again, people really, really want to go somewhere hot. And people will make compromises around that. I think also travel companies are in an interesting situation. So we've been tracking consumer perception of rising prices. And across almost every category we're looking at, people are noticing prices going up apart from travel. Now, some of that's obviously because you don't book, you don't go on holiday every day. Like you don't book a holiday every week. So mm. you don't, you're less likely to notice those rises. But also, because I think travel is one where you've got a lot more flex. It's not like a tin of beans is a tin of beans and a branded tin of beans might be a little bit more expensive than an unbranded tin of beans, but it's still... You're bringing up those beans again. Yeah, I, you can tell what I'm trying to have for lunch, can't you? <laughs> the glamour of a uh, director of research is lifestyle. Uh, but for travel, there's so much more flex and so much more variability. So there's ways of, I wouldn't necessarily say disguising price rises, but you can flex the product a lot more easily mm. than you can with other commodity products. Uh, and again, it comes back to this, you know, the shift towards the experience economy and how important that is for consumers. And there are, and going back to what I said earlier about making sure you understand different consumer segments, there are some people for who holiday just isn't going to be an option. And, you know, for them, they are kind of a, a crisis point. Some people already. Yeah. There's other groups of people who will will make sacrifices because they've really missed that time away. Yeah. So even even when things are tough, there's always, for most people, there's always a little bit of wriggle room. Yeah, there's a stat from we've got from the state saying a quarter of US consumers are determined to take a vacation simply to feel normal in 2022. So it's the, mm-hmm. like you say, it's that pent up demand. There's those that won't be able to afford to go, but there are others who might be on the cusp who are just going to say, well, I'm going anyway. Um, I guess, of course, that does suggest prices might start to increase in the future. Um, I think we've already started to see some of that here in the US. I mean, of course, it means things like credit 
of course become even more uh, important for the travel space you've got you know we buy now pay later diana mentioned buy now pay later for retail but of course they've encroaching more and more into the travel space and so these ad- additional travel options or credit options uh, that will help facilitate travel could become increasingly relevant for consumers i mean and also this is where some of those lockdown savings come in so yeah. the, the people that were able to save money i've been positioning there's there's basically this this three-way battle between like, what's that money going to do is that going to sit in savings accounts as as emergency savings because people feel a little bit insecure and they want that money there to draw on if they have to i is there an opportunity to move some of that into longer-term investments? So mm. in the UK at least, or Europe, is there a way for the investment firms to say, look, you've got that money sitting there. It's You're losing money by having it in cash. Like, lock it away for the longer term. But then also you've got this real demand for some of these big-ticket purchases and spending money on a holiday or a new kitchen or a new car or whatever, that feels like a... A sort of more constructive way of spending those lockdown savings than just letting it sort of dribble away week after week. So I think there is a chance among the people that were lucky enough to be able to build up savings during lockdown, holidays are right at the top of the list of what people want to do with those lockdown savings. Yeah. And what, and what about food and drink? I, I've already used Kitty's example in a couple of client presentations. The Sainsbury's ad. Yeah. And one of them was to one of Sainsbury's biggest rivals, actually. And I felt a little bit wary about mentioning it. I wasn't sure if that was, if I call out their rivals, great campaign, whether that gets me in trouble. But I just, I think that's a really, really nice example where it's, for so many reasons, it's plays to the health message because they're talking about swapping meat for pulses a lot of the time so that's that's got a health benefit uh it plays to the environmental and conscious consumerism angle because you're reducing your carbon footprint by reducing your meat meat uh, consumption and they don't make a big thing of it but then there's also the obvious cost saving that a tin of pulses is cheaper than you know mm. a, a tray of mints so that's that's one of those examples where good communication good ideas supporting your customers and and sort of helping them guide through it is i I just think it's a really really nice example of of finding a way of helping people save money but really importantly without making them feel like they're compromising and they're just cutting back because that that's a really bleak message just saying your skin's you're going to get a little bit more skint next month. So here's a way of like managing that skintness a little bit more comfortably. That's, that's not an upbeat, exciting message. If you can find ways of, of helping people save money while making sure it's not bleak and they, they don't feel like they're compromising, I think that's a really, really positive approach. Yeah, so really, I think obviously we'll see all sorts of different ways, though, of helping consumers to maximize value, whether it's bulk buying or private label or whatever it might be, all sorts of sort of creative approaches, perhaps, uh, as opportunities. Um, I don't think it doesn't mean that luxury goes away, I don't think. I think um, there's this sort of lipstick effect that we see in a recession where consumers perhaps continue to purchase luxury items, but lower cost luxury items. And um, so I guess we'll continue to see that but uh, plenty of opportunities. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of the key takeaways for brands, it, if you're listening to this and you're a Mintel client, uh, Johnny Forsyth, our food and drink analyst, wrote a really, really good article. Uh, I've been promoting it left, right and centre, but just after COVID hit and he looked back to the last recession 
and what lessons can brands learn from the last recession and how could they apply that to a to a COVID recession? Now, the circumstances have changed slightly. So we've moved into talking about a cost of living crisis rather than the, rather than the recession. But the lessons, I think, are still really, really relevant. And he pulled out, as you talk about luxury, uh, that affordable indulgence is is really important. Even when times are tight, people still want to lift the mood and indulge themselves. And it can be a lipstick effect, but he pulled out some really good examples, like mini magnums. I don't know if you have magnums in the States, but they're a, the they're a premium ice cream snack, yeah. And they launched their, yeah, their range of mini magnums during the last income squeeze. And they're, you know, they're not an essential. No one needs ice creams, but it's a nice way of a premium indulgence, but actually at a, at a low price point. So it works across so many different categories. I think that's a really important lesson. And also linked to that is this idea of value compared to cost. It's really, really easy to get sucked down that that cost discussion when incomes are, are under pressure. But what we found through all the all the recessions, all the tough times for consumers we we've sort of analyzed at Mintel is that it's actually value that's the overriding importance. And people will trade up when their incomes are squeezed if they think they're getting better value for their mm. better value for their money. They'll trade down if they think they can cut costs without compromising. Uh, it's the middle ground that can be a little bit sticky because you're not necessarily you're not indulgent enough to feel like a real treat. You're not, you know, that investment purchase. You're not, yeah, you're you're sort of stuck somewhere between the two. Yeah. I mean, I I say thinking about lessons for brands, I think um, volatility seems like it's just the the name of the game this, this year, obviously we've been talking about inflation. You mentioned the crisis brewing um, in, in Ukraine. So for brands, it's about being agile, being able to adapt to changing and shifting consumer needs, really about knowing your customers. Like, it's more important than ever to know your customers and your prospects and how uh, this changing environment is impacting their daily lives. And from that, it's about developing products and, and marketing messages to match those changing consumer needs. Um, I'm going to ask you about to take out your crystal ball, Toby. What, what comes next? I... I kind of thought that after COVID, I'd, I'd, life would get a little bit easier for making predictions. I, and when you're talking about being agile for brands, I mean, I suppose the one good thing is that any brands that haven't learned to be agile over the last couple of years, they're, they're probably not around any longer. So the, brands, <laughs> the, brand, the brands that are still doing well have already pretty much proved, I guess, that they are agile and flexible and can, can adjust to dramatically different circumstances. Uh, what comes next in terms of inflation, uh, there's there's almost certainly in most of the markets we cover, there's almost certainly more to come. Uh, at the moment, inflation is high in the UK, higher than we're used to, but that's going to be edging up into what's going on territory by, by April probably. Mm. So there's a bump to get over. I think one of the positives though is if, again, like, we're not we're not economists at Mintel, so I spend a lot of time reading people who are. And the consensus forecast seems to be that inflation is still going to remain above trend for the rest of the year, but it should start coming down as some of those supply chain problems start evening out. As you know, some of the demand, some of that suppressed demand that's come through after COVID starts being satisfied. So, inflation should start dropping down. Uh, 
But I think the main thing is just sticking to those those key marketing principles about pricing, about communication, being open with your customers, making sure you're, yeah. you're working with them. And as you say, like segmentation, like understanding that different consumer groups are going to be experiencing this really, really differently. And that for those people who it's an irritation for, you can't afford to cut back and panic and sort of retreat into your shell as a brand because there's still, a, you know, millions of lockdown savings still there that people will be itching to spend. At the same time, there will be consumer groups who are already on the edge and who this is going to tip them over. And so for them, it's it's a really different approach you're going to need to take. Yeah, I think, you know, the, I think the concern is is that it becomes baked into consumer expectations. I, mean, I think, you know, one of the things certainly that's happening in the US, you've seen now inflation is higher than the increase in wages. You know, we had seen like, wages starting mm-hmm. to increase for the first time um, in 2021, uh, at a good, at a sort of a, at a healthy clip, and now inflation has surpassed the increase in a uh, percentage increase in in wages, and of course that consumers start to take note of that. Um, and of course, the concern is that it, it's, it gets baked in, and you do. There are a number of studies that that show um, whether it's the Federal Reserve or the University of Michigan that talk about you know consumer expectations when it comes to inflation, and they've been running high for the last thirteen months. They did drop slightly in January, which was interesting. So there was sort of suggestion or a hint there that perhaps things were starting to level off a bit. Uh, but of course, when it gets baked into the mindset, uh, there's that whole idea of the psychology of inflation. And that is the concern that consumers start behaving differently. And maybe they already are uh, as a result of inflation. Uh, but like you say, I think higher prices are a reality uh, this year. The price is going to remain high for the rest of the year based on what you know economic experts are predicting. Plus, it looks like we're moving into this rising uh, rate environment. Um, all right, so a lot of unknowns. Uh, learn from the past, uh, but of course, it's more important than ever for brands to understand consumers uh, and the circumstances they face. Thank you, Toby. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review us. If you want to know more about Mintel, who we are, and what we do, head over to mintel.com and follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.